show me, show me how you do that trick. The one that makes me scream, he said. The one that makes me laugh, he said. And threw his arms around my neck. Show me how you do it, and I'll promise you, I'll promise you, I'll run away with you. I'll run away with you. you have done if i've not got married how, how would your life <laughs> how do you think your well, life might have been a bit different i wanted to be an actress uh, not not i wasn't good enough looking to be glamorous but someone like thora heard you know thora heard no the actress no. she was a, a wonderful character actress and she she worked into her 90s i think the last thing she was in was last of the summer wine and uh, I always fancied being someone like Thora Heard and joining repertory theatre, which you, you did in those days. You didn't go to university, really, to, to learn how to be an actress. You worked your way through from being a stagehand uh, in local rep, and uh, then you got parts and you got your experience that way. It's only people with plenty of money who went to the, the big... Um, acting schools and went to RADA and places like that. The ma- majority of actors and actresses at my in my time just weren't able to do that. Just played, you know. applied their trade, right? Yes, yes. All right. Well, question... And I think that's what I would have done and been very happy. Of course, doing it. But of course, I wouldn't have had my children, would I? No, no. And if I hadn't married John, of course, I wouldn't have had Christopher and Kirsten. Mm. And I wouldn't be talking to you. so. And um... you wouldn't know. <laughs> wouldn't have known you. <laughs> well, question four is, um, and this is something for the audience to think about in the timeline of Millie. Uh, in what year <coughs> did Millie first become 
a mother. So think about Paul and think about what we've just recently been talking about. Millie, what's the answer to that one? In what year did you first become a mother? 1951. 1951. I was 20 years old. How did having children change your life? Well, of course, it it changed it in that way, didn't it? I mean, um, twenty years. I was old. I was very yeah. lucky. I was very lucky to meet to meet John again, really, because he was a wonderful father. He really was, and he was a pretty good husband too. You don't say he was a wonderful husband. I mean, that's you know that's cloud cuckoo land, isn't it? Really, <laughs> he was a pretty good guy, and we were, we were very happy together. Yeah, wonderful. And we and we were compatible, which is very important. Well, you do. You need to get along. You need to be, you know, you need to have yeah. a friendship, don't you? You know. Yeah. The only rows we had were about him making homebrew and making a mess. <laughs> which which are part of the story as well. Oh right. <laughs> um, all right. Question number five. In the episode titled "Dodging Bullets," what were the bullets? audience have a think about that episode in the episode titled dodging bullets what were the bullets millie what were those bullets well the first one was um it was the year i was expecting christopher so that was 19 summer of 1961 and in those days you know if you wanted to go away you see i was still working at the time earlier on in the year and I didn't know I was pregnant at the time, but in January, if you wanted to go out in, away in July, everyone just went everywhere in July, and it was factory closed down as well for two weeks. So you had to book very early. So in the January, uh, John, uh, John and I were going to go. Uh, my father, as usual, was taking all his grandchildren to Butlin, so he said, you two go off on your own and do something. So we decided we would go to Spain and uh, we went to book with, with John's friend, Joe Jolly, he was called. He was Jolly as well. And um, we booked to go to Spain. Anyway, um, it, was a, it was an all-inclusive holiday. It was, it was a sort of, uh, it was a type of club. It was a, um, a civil service club but called Whitehall Travel. But he said he could get us tickets, so... Um, we did that. And then shortly afterwards, I realised I was pregnant. So, of course, July, the baby was due in August. So July was far too late to go on holiday. So we changed those seats. We went back and Joe said, oh, I can sell those seats easily. Uh, so we finished up going somewhere in April. We went We went to, um, I'm trying to think where we went to, Kufstein, all around there in April. And... Um, so in July, of course, the time when we should have been going away, I remember it was very hot and I was very uncomfortable and I'm stood ironing and I heard on the radio that this plane had gone down over Perpignan and everybody was killed. That was on the Friday afternoon, I think. 
And then on the following day, we walked into town and Joe Jolly came dashing out and kissed me. And he said, I want to kiss the luckiest woman alive. And I said, what do you mean? He said, the plane that went down was the Whitehall travel plane. He said, and I sold your tickets to a mother and daughter from Bispam. And I I felt terrible, really. Mm. I really did, you know. So he was a lucky he was a lucky baby, and I felt, well. I felt that somehow, these things happen, don't they? And we wonder why they happen, and how we escape. And yet, lots of people escape, don't they, from things, mm. from sure crashes. Mm. You also dodged another bullet, and that was. In the form of? Oh, thalidomide. Mm. Well, it wasn't me, it was Christopher, really, that dodged that. I was. I used to be very sick going to work, and I'd dash into the, into the factory, and then as soon as I got there, I had to go into the ladies, you know, to be sick. And two of the girls that were pregnant said to me, you need to get some tablets from the doctor. We're marvellous now, we've got these tablets. And they gave me a couple of tablets. And I went home, and of course my father lived with us, and I showed my dad these tablets. I said, I'm going to be fine tomorrow morning. I'm going to take one of these tablets. And he was so cross, and he said, no, no, promise me you won't you won't take them. And uh, as it happened, the following morning, I had to go in to see the doctor. He had his own private clinic, you know, for uh, mothers um, and expectant mothers. And I showed him these tablets, and I said, could, could you give me some of these? And he took them off me and threw them in the waste bin. Said, I want you to promise me you won't take anything that I don't give you. And that was it. And they were thalidomide tablets. Yeah. And Christopher was born at home. I wanted him to be born at home. The doctor came round to see me soon after he was born. And he said to me, you, you were a very good girl, weren't you? He said, those were thalidomide tablets and awful things are happening with babies because of those. And I did find out later that those two girls from the factory, one had a stillborn baby and the other one had a baby very badly deformed. Mm. Mm. So there again, someone was looking after us, weren't they? Mm. I'm not a religious person, you know, but I do think things happen sometimes and you know question six uh you ran the bush in in the 1960s the pub yes what is that building used for today oh yes i found that out well you found that out for me i think um, yes, that was. It's an Indian restaurant. It, it must is, be a jolly big one. It is. Well, well, that's interesting. You should say that because you know the the footprint of that building very well. Um, yes. What What are your <coughs> thoughts on preserving the past? What do you think about? Do you think that we should make way for older buildings and you know modernize and and upgrade <coughs> things? Or do we well, do we have to well, suppose, preserve things? Well, 
I suppose we have to, really, but it seems very sad. I know the house I was born in, in Mossside, Manchester, the whole the whole block has gone. All the houses have gone, and they've built... I, I've seen on the news they've built all these uh, flats, you know, the, these high-rise apartments, and the whole character's disappeared now. And... Um, and I do, I do see that buildings like uh, the bush, if people weren't going in and using it, then obviously it's better for it to be used as it as it as it is now, as an Indian restaurant, than being pulled down. I think it's better to preserve these buildings if we can. Uh, I know what they're doing now in uh, some of the docklands. They're they're building, they're, they're reusing huge warehouses and turning them into apartments. And I think that's a very good thing. Well, I have to say I agree with you because I'm a, I'm a history person. I love my history and I just think there's so much character in those buildings. And yes. even if they're completely <coughs> gutted and redesigned, the shell and the, you know, yes. the outside of those buildings is really, they have such character. Yes. Um, question seven, uh, what was the date and day of your 80th <laughs> birthday? Right, so audience, have a think about that one. So Millie's 80th birthday, uh, what was her date of that one? You probably won't know the day. Millie, what's your recollection? Well, what, you'll know the date very well. Sec yeah, 2nd of February 2011. Um <laughs> Why but was it special? I, I the can't 80th? remember the day, but the thing was, for me, uh, the main part—it wasn't actually on the day, but on the fi Friday previously. Uh, my daughter-in-law, Gillian, uh, said, "Come to dinner." They still lived here then in St Andrews. They don't live here now. Uh, come to dinner, but don't arrive before six o'clock. And I thought that was a bit sharp really and I said um, you don't need to invite me at all you know and she said no no we want you to come so I sat outside in the car for about five minutes till spot on six o'clock and then I went into the house and they said right close your eyes close your eyes you know and they sat me down on the settee and they said now you can open them for the surprise well sat in front of me with his head practically between my knees was was Jack the dog, Springer Spaniel. I adored him. And I often used to look after him. And he was sat there and he was all beautifully groomed. He'd been he'd been clipped and everything and looked very posh. So of course I'm patting him and saying, Oh, what a lovely surprise. Oh, you do look beautiful. And then this voice said, Well, don't I look beautiful? <laughs> of course I looked up and there was Kirsten stood there. And the reason they didn't want me to, to go before six was because Christopher had driven up. Uh, uh, he'd driven up from Portsmouth. He was down in working in Portsmouth then. He'd driven up and he'd met her at the, at Manchester Airport, and and he wasn't sure whether the plane was going to be on time. You see, so um, and she wanted to get a shower and look decent before she met me. <laughs> so that was a big surprise. And then, of course, the following day, um, it was going to be quite... They said, what did you want to do, you know, previously? And I said, oh, we'll just go out for lunch somewhere. 
So Christopher and Jill came, picked us up, and I thought we were going into Lytham to one of the hotels for lunch. And he suddenly turned off down the side road that leads to the little church I go to. And I said, why are you turning down here? And he said, oh, I think it looks like an accident up above. And I went up ahead. So I went, oh. And as we turned round, I could see all these cars there and everything. And I said, because at the time I was the church secretary, well, nobody told me there was a function on today. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a surprise. It was a surprise party for me. And everybody was there. And even my relatives had come over from, from uh, Cheadle Hume. And best of all was my old school friend, Margie, Margie Colburn. And uh, we always kept in touch with each other all through the years, you know. And it was so wonderful. Her daughter had brought her over to see me. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. It was a wonderful birthday, yes. Um, well, yeah, it was wonderful too. You had, uh, in that same year, you had big birthdays for Chris and Paul, didn't you? Yes, uh, Chris was 50 and Paul was 60. Now, can I just say this year, it was a bit of a washout, my 90th, because Tamar, as you know, a secret for me, of course, she was going to arrange this Zoom call with all of you. <coughs> and it was during the lockdown. And, of course, Tamar comes every Saturday, my eldest grandchild. And she was arranging that. And two days before, she was taken ill with covid so that didn't happen. And uh, so the only person I saw really on my birthday was Alison, uh, who, who comes and helps look after me, and my next door neighbour. So it was a bit lonely on my 90th this year. But I did keep thinking about my 80th and that kept me going. Oh, wow, isn't that <laughs> wonderful? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it shows how well you've adapted you know, and, uh, tempered your expectations a little bit, I guess.